0: I came in with three teams at the top of the SWAC West this year, and so far it's been none of those three. It's been Prairie View A&M as the frontrunner of the division. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every single day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, Create an account and use the promo code LOCKEDON, college all one word, for $20 off your purchase. We wrap up today's episode with a dominating performance on the defensive side and also in the running game for Norfolk State. Prior to that, I'm looking for an update to Davius Richards' health, and I'll tell you why I'm specifically looking for it this week. And also, before any of that, we kick it off with something that, you know, you got to learn this in the business. There is no biases. You may feel I show a little bit of favoritism here and there to Texas Southern, but there is no biases. So it's not even swallowing my pride to say that so far, we're what, four weeks through the season? Prairie View A&M looks like the front runner in the SWAC West. Now, we're talking about that division in particular, and I know a lot of times we have conversations about the SWAC as a whole, but a lot of times also, so it's probably about 50-50, 60-40, 50, that I like to break it down from just the conference into the divisions. That's why when FAMU conversations happen, I typically focus on the SWAC East. And sometimes I talk about the SWAC in general if I'm discussing the Celebration Bowl, but I like to focus on the SWAC East because that's what is important right now. And for Prairie View, that's what's important right now. You have to win the SWAC West to get to the seller, or excuse me to get to the SWAC Championship. And right now, they'll be the team I'd bet on. So coming into the year, I had a big three: Southern, Alcorn, Texas Southern. And matter of fact, Southern was my third team of the of the bunch, to be honest. And I know you might call it favoritism or whatnot. And I'm okay with that. Like if, if you want to call that favoritism, I just kind of alluded to it. I don't think it was. It was something in my heart that said TSU was going to be the squad this year. And you know, I I think there's other circumstances on why that will not be the case, but they also didn't win that first game of the season. So it is what it is. They were, however, the third team in the conference preseason polls in that division. So even if you don't want to call it a big three, I would still say they were the third team. Wasn't that far from Grambling and PV, but they were on top of both of those squads in the preseason poll by the coaches in them. So, but you look at it, PV started their season knocking off Texas Southern yet again. So it's, it was one of those things where whether you want to call them part of the big three, if you want to call them a third team, it's. A minute difference. Like, it's so small. But, like, the point is you knocked off a team that people felt was a contender. And they knocked off that team with Andrew Body still in the lineup. So I'm going to go ahead and put TSU to the side because not only did they lose to PV, they've also lost to Grambling. And that's two conference losses. You still have FAMU on the schedule, not that far away. And I'm not sure when Andrew Body is going to return. So with all of that being said, TSU is kind of out of the race for me. I think they're done. I think they're done. Then you look at Alcorn. That was a team that my mind said was going to win the conference. They knocked off Alcorn. Let's put Alcorn to the side. And PV has shown a, a liking for the dramatics against TSU. Had to build up a deficit, right? You just know it. Let's make this this year's edition interesting. Let's make the game against Texas Southern interesting this time. Let's have a deficit and come back from it. Let's go ahead and beat Alcorn, but we're not going to do that comfortably either. Let's go ahead and make it interesting and have a 50-yard field goal as time expires. So it's something about the Panthers loving the, loving the dramatics, but they do. And when you go through process of elimination, first off, they done well. They have done well this year. It's not about, oh, well, nobody else looks good, so let's just give it to PV. PV has looked good, they have nice wins, and I don't think much other teams have looked good. Southern has struggled. We'll see if they bounce back from the from the bye week, but they have to bounce back from the bye week. PV has shown the ability to bounce back mid-game. I've seen them struggle against Texas Southern and figure something out in the fourth quarter to come back. I, I saw them learn how to finish drives and put up points. Meanwhile, Southern, I like their defense a lot, but as much as I like their defense, I dislike their offense. It's about equal for me, and that's a problem. And we'll actually discuss that, I believe, on Thursday's episode, as they are in a certain class of HBCU teams with two other squads, one of which they faced already. So it's one of those things where Southern hasn't looked that good. You beat Alcorn, you beat TSU. I think Grambling has some chances to make noise. That being said, that loss to Hampton really did leave a bad taste in my mouth. And I've kind of, you know, gotten away from it a little bit after you beat TSU, but not all the way. I still need something. But luckily, PV and Grambling face this week. I think that Grambling has a good squad, but they need to prove something to me. Right. That's kind of where they stand right now. And then UAPB, they definitely need to prove something to me. They just they just do. So right now I'm looking at PV and Grambling as the two, te- two teams who actually look like they're doing something in the SWAC West. But PV to me has the better resume. And I like Trazon Conley, who I believe actually did. He came on the show and he spoke about how people don't respect his arm. And I think that he's making people respect his arm this year. He barely ran against Alcorn in the game. I was able to see up close and personal. He didn't lean on his legs to uh, against Texas Southern. He made some nice throws on the run and in the pocket. So I like what Conley's been able to do this year. You look at the two-headed monster in the backfield of Antoine Ahmad. I usually mess that up and get him backwards, but Antoine Ahmad, and then also Caleb Johnson. This is a team with a solid offensive base. I like their running game. I think they have the ability to run on a lot of teams. And that's why, in addition to the resume, just the pieces they have on that offense make me confident in saying, as of right now, and we'll see, whether you listen to this now or all the way to September 30th in the morning. Once they play Grambling, then things might change, and we'll see. I might even come back and do this again. But it's Grambling and it's PV, but right now I have PV just a slight step above the Grambling Tigers, and all of that will be decided this weekend. You would think I'm doing promo for the game of the week. This is going to be our game of the week. But as we move forward, so I don't just, I've already kind of prepped for that a little bit. So I think some of this is just jumping out where I'm like, oh, let me give this information. Let me get this storyline. Let me get this matchup. Like, I kind of want to do some of those things right now. So to, able, to be able to just stop myself, exhibit a little bit of self-control, I'm going to move on to Davies Richard because his health is in question. I don't know what's going on with him, but I look forward to finding out in this week's particular, in particular, I want to find out because they face Campbell. And I'll break down everything that's going on as we continue with Locked On, HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. And if you've ever been last minute, you've probably been stressed and thinking, oh, there's no way I'm going to get a better deal. These tickets prices are going to be through the roof. This is no longer the case as long as you go to Game Time. And if you go to Game Time and you just create an account and use Locked On College, you can get $20 off your first purchase. So, there's a little bit of uh an incentive for that but with game time even if there was no code you'd still get in the least or the lowest prices out there and you're getting them at the last minute the last minute it doesn't matter where you' going to a sporting event it doesn't matter if you go to a play at the theater a comedy show a concert all of those things are on game time so all you have to do is pull up the app search through, scroll, 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 what's going on in my local area tonight or next week or in the next couple of days. Game time has it all. And if you find a seat in the same row, in the same section, they will give you $110 or 110%, excuse me, back on the difference. They believe nobody's going to top them. And if they do, they're willing to pay for it. So when you're looking at game time, go to the app, find an event, and use the code Locked LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get $20 off your purchase. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. I look forward to being your first and second listen on Fridays as from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time yeah i'm getting the time right baby that's two days in a row but from 10 a.m to noon central we'll have our college football kickoff live and i'll be a part of that yet again at my alarm set i'm gonna make sure that every single week i come in with the hbcu matchups that you need to watch i'll dwindle down the list i make a big list for locked on hbcu but then i kind of give you the top one or two and maybe i extend to three but most times i'm gonna give you the top one or two games to watch so make sure you check that out every single Friday and if you miss it you can come back to it it's not alive and gone it's live and still here it's live recorded and DVR whatever you call it right it's like TV DVR but right now I'm looking forward to an update on North Carolina Central quarterback Davius Richards health and as I'm speaking I'm probably getting this update now so the MIAC has their weekly press conferences I believe on Tuesday Um, I usually don't watch it the day of, to be honest. I usually watch it day after, whatever. I catch up as it goes on. But I'm looking forward to what Coach Oliver says about Davies Richards' health because I think that this week in particular would be something to really study. Now, before I get too deep into it, let's get into where we stand and why we're discussing this. So last week and last week's weekly presser, I should say, and last week's weekly presser, Coach Oliver, hey, Coach for the Eagles, came out and he was asked about Davis Richard and how he was pulled in the UCLA game and was asked that that was basically just precaution, which a lot of us probably assumed that it was. A lot of us probably assumed that, hey, you're just taking him out. It's UCLA. At the time that he left the game, it was 35 nothing, like a minute and a half into the second quarter. It made a lot of sense to just take this man out. There's no need to risk injury at this point. So if you're not trying to risk injury, take your QB out, but let's ask anyway. And he was told no. Mm-mm. We did not remove Davis Richard to protect him from injury in that game or to protect him. He was actually hurt in the third play of the North Carolina a t game. OK, then you played this game. So I think I have all of the facts out and he didn't give any information on if he reaggravated that injury against UCLA. If they just didn't want to risk further injury against UCLA, what the situation, he, he didn't give any of that. Right. So I don't know what it is. And this is the update that I'm looking for. But he did sit out against Mississippi Valley State. So let's go through all of the, the facts, right? Because what's about to happen is I'm about to make some assumptions with the limited information that I have. Fact. Davies Richard hurt himself against North Carolina a and at the beginning of the game and finished the game. Fact. Davies Richard started the UCLA game and came out at the beginning of the second quarter. Fact. Davius Richard missed the Mississippi Valley State game. Those are all facts. We have that all laid out. Also, I would like to thank Trey Oliver because Coach Oliver really gave the information. And this is something that I discussed when it came to body in the Texas Southern situation. Just be upfront. Like, I don't know what maybe the injury is more minor than it is for body. I don't know. But Trey Oliver came out and said, look, he's hurt. And I don't know if at that time they knew he wasn't going to play against Mississippi Valley State or what. But he said, "Look, he hurt himself at this moment. This is what happened. We took him out." That's. I can now come up here and I can give a whole speech about it. I can make a segment dedicated to it and feel like I'm speaking in good faith. With the body situation, I knew something was up. I knew something. Just it just didn't feel right. But you weren't giving me the information, and I understand as a coach, it's not your responsibility. But as a media man or as a media member, excuse me. This is something that I'm looking forward to, and I appreciated the forthcoming nature of Coach Oliver. But this is the assumptions that I'm going to make now. Davis Richard was hurt already, or excuse me, was hurt in that North Carolina a t game and finished it because it's North Carolina a t Any other game, any other non-conference game, he likely would have came out, but that's basically a conference game. Like the, the way it's a rivalry, it's so important as if it were something that dictated the end of your season. And it was the last time that Richard was going to be able to play a and And he fought through that injury. Maybe it's minor. I don't, we don't even know what the injury is, right? I didn't hear him even say that. So, excuse me. You're looking at a player who was able to play through it, was able to play against UCLA. So I'm going to assume that the injury isn't major. But he played against UCLA because I'm sure that he and Coach Oliver had a conversation about how beneficial that this game against an FBS top 25 opponent – could be for the draft stock of Davies Richard. Go out there and put up some good film against an FBS opponent that scouts are already there to see, and scouts are definitely going to watch their tape. They're going to ask for the tape at the end of the year, and this might be one of the games that they see. So you're given the opportunity to go out there and show out and do your thing. Okay, cool. Quarter happened, whatever. We're taking you out now. You miss Mississippi Valley State because that game is irrelevant. That game means nothing. All these are assumptions that I'm making, but it makes sense to me. But why this week am I so pressed to find out? Because most times I'm just going to look. I'm not even talking about this. Like, I didn't talk about it last week because it was like, okay, whatever. They're going into the Valley game. This week they're going into the Campbell game. And Coach Oliver was upset about losing a Valley in 2021. And I don't think he's alone in being upset about losing to Campbell in 2022. Nobody said that. He didn't say that. But to me, I feel like there is a storyline of revenge that is going on for North Carolina Central. They're looking to get their lick back on Campbell because last year they were kind of in a similar situation, but they weren't the top dog. Like right now they're number one on every single HBCU ranking. It feels like, that's what I feel like. I'll say that. It feels like I see that often. But they were really respected and they were looked at as one of the biggest contenders to Jackson State last year. Then they lost to Campbell and people are like, I don't know. Didn't help that Jackson State then beat Campbell. But like when North Carolina Central lost to Campbell, I feel like a lot of their momentum from the public kind of just calmed down. They like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that one, right? That's kind of where it felt like it went to after they lost to Campbell. So I feel like they would want their lick back. And if Oliver was upset about losing a Valley a couple of years ago, I'm sure he's absolutely ticked off about losing to Campbell last year. And I'm sure that Richard feels the same. So do you go ahead and put him in there? Is this a game in which you feel like I need to win this game to a point where I'm going to put Davies Richard out there? He could be completely healthy and none of this matters. And he would play regardless of who it is. But because I'm not sure of that, I'm operating with the idea that maybe he's still recovering from a small injury. Do you say, you know what? Nobody's ever 100% healthy. Let's just go ahead and get you out of here. Because it might be something that's just bothering him, something that's not prohibiting him from doing too much, but it's just bothering him. So, because he did play the rest of the a t game and he played against UCLA. So, we'll see how that goes. But I will say one thing that Coach Oliver did say is that they have Walker Harris. And to them, Walker Harris is a 1B. To them, Walker Harris is a starting quarterback pretty much everywhere else, but they have Davius Richard, one of the best quarterbacks in their school history. So, Walker isn't starting. I will say this, he played against Valley and he had five touchdowns through the air, which is a season high for anybody on North Carolina Central through the air specifically. And he looked like a starting quarterback. So maybe you don't play Davis Richard. Maybe you sit Davis Richard until October 19th. That's when you play Morgan State. Maybe you just say, you know what, we're going to rest you until conference play. I don't know how bad the injury is. I don't know if that's even necessary. I'm just saying things that could happen. But as of right now, they're probably doing the MEAC presser right now. So I'm going to – I'm probably going to try to rush to get this out because I only, I'm only recording in the morning because I had some technical difficulty last night. But I'm going to probably try to push to get this out so that you can maybe hear this before they post the MiAC press conference. So let's move forward and keep it within the conference because Norfolk State dominated Towson on the ground. And I want to look at them because I don't feel like I even discussed their victory over. Hampton. But now this is their second victory of the season. I want to look at this as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Yeah, we got a new one. We got a new one out there and it's DoorDash. I know a lot of people are sitting there like, man, I'm hungry. I'm gonna go ahead and get me a meal from DoorDash. That's what a lot of people think when they think about the delivery company. But here's something else. Here's a layer that maybe you didn't know about. They also deliver deliver groceries now. So maybe you're just missing syrup for your pancakes. Maybe you're missing some sugar. Maybe you're just missing something small. Excuse me. Maybe you're missing something small that. I don't want to go get a meal, but I also want to cook this. I don't have this one thing. Let me go ahead and door dash it. It's the same casual. It's the same um, convenience. That's the word I'm looking for as delivering your food. But now you can get groceries. And if you use DoorDash and use the promo code LockedOnCollege, you'll get 50 percent off your first order up to twenty dollars. No minimum subtotal required. Just go to DoorDash, order a meal or order some groceries, twenty dollars or less and get fifty percent off with the promo code LockedOnCollege. as we wrap up today's episode of locked on hbcu i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day making it all the way to segment three and i thank you two times for that thank you thank you and norfolk state absolutely dominated towson on the ground this past weekend and that mixed with a strong defensive performance is the reason that they were able to beat this team and one of the reasons i really wanted to highlight this is a i didn't talk about their victory over hampton i kind of wrote them off after losing virginia state And I should have discussed their victory over Hampton, but I didn't. And then also, they beat Towson, which is a team that beat Morgan State, which I did praise. I've praised Morgan State, and I still feel relatively high on the Bears. Um, But yeah, so Norfolk State knocked off Towson 21-14 to this weekend. And the primary source of their offense was their running game. Their running game was the reason that they were able to put up all of these points. And when you look at it, they only attempted 15 passes. And I think sometimes saying that doesn't put it all the way in perspective, but it does kind of say, okay, you're not pass heavy, but no, they were extremely run heavy. Fifteen passes, right? Kyron King, eleven attempts on the ground. Otto Coons, ten attempts on the ground. Mind you, that's your quarterback. So he had almost as many as a, he he had almost as many attempts on the ground as he as he did through the air. Then you had Xavier Howard. I want to call his man Xavier Howard, like think about Miami, Xavier Evans, and he had nine attempts on the ground. And, you know, all three of those players ended up totaling over 50 yards. And one thing I don't like is a lot of times they'll take sacks out of your run total because on the on the stats website, they'll have yards gained, yards lost, and then net. Don't really like that they do that. But then also they, they sometimes take sack totals out. And you'll look at it, and they'll have sacks as a rush attempt and things of that nature. So one, that would improve Coons's numbers. But then secondly, that would also make your average look better because you have 54 attempts for 350 yards. 54 attempts for 350 yards. You're talking about six yards a pop. Nearly seven. But you're looking at six yards a pop at 54 attempts most times as your number goes up the average dips because you're not going to have that many explosive plays it's hard to have that many you had eight ball carriers you know a lot of times when we say spread the ball out we get to talking about passing oh he threw that ball to this person and wow Otto Coons has thrown thrown past to seven different receivers this game eight different Spartans ran the ball this year two or this week Two of which scored a touchdown, including Otto Coons, who had a 67 yard touchdown pass, touchdown run, excuse me. But, you know, a lot of credit deserves to go to the Norfolk State offense 100%. Like, I'm not going to take that away from them. But then also, the defense had a good day as well. So, when you look at what happened in the second quarter, well, first off, they only scored 14 points. They only scored 14 points. Let's get that out of the way. Towson only scored 14 points. And to me, there are about three ways to dominate an offense. You can stonewall them, you can keep them from scoring points, and you can force turnovers. Stonewalling typically leads to not scoring points. Turnovers typically leads to not scoring points. However, you cannot stonewall a team, you cannot force turnovers, and still not allow a lot of points. You can bend but don't break, meaning you let them get into the end zone or into the red zone, and then, you know, they kick field goals. You could... Let them drive down the field a little bit, but not quite get in the scoring position. That's not a stonewall, but you're also not forcing turnovers. So these are three completely different things, even if two leads to one. And the one is probably the most important, and that is not scoring points. I don't care how you allow a team or make a team not score points. Just don't allow them to score points. But Norfolk State did all three. Norfolk State State did all three, and probably the most impressive one was their ability to stonewall. I think that's the most impressive all the time, because if you stonewall the offense, you really feel like they can't do anything, and it gives you a little bit more confidence as opposed to bending but don't breaking. About three minutes into the second quarter, so 12 minutes left in the second quarter, Towson scored their first touchdown. They didn't score another touchdown until pretty much the end of the game, but From that point of the first touchdown, 12 minutes in the second quarter left to 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Towson didn't have a single drive of more than four plays. One was an interception, had a couple of three and outs. One was a four-play drive in which you got a first down on first down. And then after that, it was three plays and you're punting the ball. This was an absolutely dominant performance, specifically in the third quarter. And we highlight the running game. We highlight the defense and now we fuse them together and this is kind of where the best quarter for Norfolk was I'm going to tell you something that was absolutely ridiculous but it does showcase the ability to mesh good defense with strong running game in the third quarter Towson had two drives both three and outs zero yards and they had a total of a minute and 31 time of possession let me repeat that because that was something that was remarkable to me In the third quarter, Towson had zero yards in about a minute and a half of time possession. That means you're getting them off of the field immediately. You had two, three and outs, and you're also running the ball and possessing the ball. You don't do that without great ball control. And in that quarter, you actually have 14 of your 21 points by Norfolk State. That was the best quarter for Norfolk State this week. And I'd argue, if I had to go through and just look at every single quarter, there probably is not a better quarter of football for the Norfolk Spartans than the third quarter against Towson this past weekend. This is impressive. Zero yards allowed in 15 minutes, a minute and a half a time of possession. That means that Norfolk State had the ball for 13 and a half minutes. That's more than I've been speaking about them. That's more than I've been speaking about them today. That's almost half of this episode that they possessed the ball in the third quarter alone. The ability to control the ball with the running game and the ability to play stout defense on the defensive side is the reason that they were able to win against Towson. And this is a game that I needed to highlight. So I appreciate you for joining me for this. Making this your first listen of the day every single day. I truly do appreciate it. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be back with North Carolina Central. And I have a question. What would it take to knock them off of the top spot of the HBCU rankings? And also, Irv Mulligan, newcomer of the year. I think so, and we'll discuss both of those on tomorrow's episode, but in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.